The book of Matthew chapter 13, the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, verse 33, praise the name of the Lord. Matthew 13, verse 33, when you got it, say so. It says, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Lord, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for your presence that is real. Thank you for your love that is abounding, Lord. Thank you today. For being in this place with us, Lord God. Thank you for ministering to our hearts, Lord God. Thank you for our music ministry that was sensitive to your leading in this moment, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for coming and meeting us where we are, Lord God. You know every need and every heart of every person in this room and even those who are online. And Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that more than having our needs met, that our ears would be open, Lord that our ears would be attentive to your voice because what we need above anything else is to hear from you and walk with you, Lord God. And so, Lord, may you be glorified in these next few moments as we sit under your word, God. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you didn't get an outline when you came in, you can raise your hand, and I believe the ushers can give you, though we have one left, so we only got one left, so if you are that one person that didn't get one and you want one, well, praise the Lord, you can raise your hand, and you, this is your lucky day, I guess, praise Jesus, hallelujah. We want you to have an outline so that way you can follow along in the introduction of the sermon so you can take some notes. Obviously, we don't just want you to come and sit under and hear preaching of God's word, but we want you to live, we want you to obey, we want you to do what it is that God commands you to do. And so we are continuing on our series, Kingdom Critical, Kingdom Critical. And as Minister Hector was ministering and, and sharing and paused in that moment and asked us to pray for those families in Texas. And as we were in this moment here, we sensed this weight of, man, we need a move of God. We need the manifestation of the kingdom, which is the purpose of this series that I'm preaching, is that we need the manifestation of the kingdom. We need to understand why the kingdom of God is so very important. And so if you look at your outline, we are living in a moment in which pressure around us is testing the faith of confessing followers of Jesus in great ways. And here's the question, what is permeating your life, the pressure or the promiser? In the midst of everything that we go through, in the midst of everything that we face, we have to ask this question, what is it that is permeating our life in the midst of pressure? This week, I was, I was overwhelmed. I, you know, I, I, some of you may not ascribe to the same media outlets that I do. And, you, know, I, I, you know, I look at churchleaders.com and things like that, and I don't know if you subscribe to that, but in those outlines there, the, the, the things that were, I've never seen so many pastors resigning and confessing sins from 20 years ago. And I thought, I was like, goodness gracious, we celebrated in 20 years. Amen. Let me tell you something. God has been good and he has been merciful here. Ain't no skeletons in the closet. Don't worry about all that. And it ain't because I'm great, it's because he's merciful. That, that's all that it is. 
But, but what I want you to know is that God is doing something. The church is being shaken and being judged. Hear what I'm saying. The church is being judged in these moments. That's the reason why we are seeing that. Now, to be sure, there is an enemy that is over there trying to accuse the brethren. There is an enemy that is doing everything he can to, 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 to minimize the light of the gospel that needs to come forth. So don't get it twisted. It's not just people who are guilty of sin because guess what? Everybody who wrote the article, everybody who did the survey, everybody who was part of it, guess what? They're all guilty of sin. And if you, if, listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if we could all look at each other's lives, we would be amazed at how much sin there is. Come on now. So, so don't think that anybody is walking on water because nobody is. But, but here's the thing that I realize is that the church is being judged in this moment because we have been pacifying on uh, uh, people who are supposed to be living in holiness. We have been allowing people to just live how they want to live. There has, been no, there has been no call to holiness the way that God wants. Therefore, we're in the condition that we are. We've depended on the wisdom of men. We've looked at things like sizes of buildings and all this different stuff. And we said, well, God is there, but is he really? I'm not saying, listen, I, let, 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 let me say this just so you know, because I know that some of y'all might think something about me. I have no issue with megachurches. I pray one day we will be a megachurch. Hello, somebody. Hear what I'm saying. I am not judging any church for its size. What I am telling you is don't think that everything that shines is gold. Hello. Not everything that's, some, some, some folks just know how to do some things. It's not about the kingdom of God. It's about a way of doing stuff. And here's what has to happen. We need to come to the place that we become like Christ. That we become like Jesus. That we become like him and we say, you know what? You know what Jesus did? This is what he did. I, I love the way that Jesus works. Jesus gets multitudes around him and then he says the harshest things to them. And be like, you really want to follow me? You really want to follow me? Oh, pick up your cross. Deny yourself. What, you you want to follow me? Wait a second. I don't have a place to lay my head. You want to follow me? Let me tell you what it costs to follow me. The problem is that, you know, again, American Christianity, hey, just raise your hand. You're saved. Just say a prayer. You're saved. But where is that in the text of Scripture? Where is that in the text of Scripture? Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen, I'm a firm believer. We are saved by faith, not through our works. Come on now. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But there is a price that Jesus paid. We were talking about sin the other day. I was talking to, you know, when, when you talk about different sins, and, and, and listen, I'm not trying to point out any particular sin. When you talk about different sins that are going on in our culture, listen, we need to be willing to call sin, sin. You know why? Because Jesus died for sin. That's what he died for. He laid his life down for our sin. To do what? To redeem us. From our sin, to rescue us from our sin. So if I say, well, you know what, that's not really sin, then what is Jesus going to rescue me from? If I come to you and I say, hey, man, you need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? The wrath of God. Well, what, what, why am I going to experience the wrath of God? Well, because, you know, there's some things in your life. What are those things? Well, they're bad habits. No, 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 they're sins. See, there's a difference. Oh, my goodness. We need the kingdom of God to come. And notice, notice the text that was up there in, in, early, in the earlier parts of Matthew. What does the scripture say? When John the Baptist began to preach, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus began to preach, what did he preach? Repent. 
For the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a calling to repentance. There's a decision-making. Pastor Aldo talked about it when he was rehearsing or talking about the first song that we sang where he talks about how he picked me up and he turned me around. What does that all mean? He wasn't just spinning me. Come on now. He picked me up out of my sin. He, in, in my case, he picked me out out of my drug usage. He picked me up out of my adultery and my fornication. He picked me up out of the, the wrong minds. He picked me up. He placed my feet on side. He turned me around. He turned me away from those things and brought me into the kingdom. He changed my life. He took dominion because there was something else. See, church, here's the problem. And this is why this message is so important for us in this hour. This is why the kingdom is so critical because there are two opposing kingdoms. There is one that is far greater than the other. The unfortunate fact is that our world has aligned itself with the lower kingdom. With the kingdom of darkness, at any time that we have sin in our lives, guess what? There is a reigning, a ruling, there is a dominion in our lives. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. That is the power of the kingdom of God, is that he came to deliver us. He came to set us free. He came to bring us into true liberty. And you know what is so beautiful about our God is that our God, he's a benevolent king. He's a gracious king. He calls us into relationship, and he doesn't just want to have dominion over our lives. He wants to love us. He wants to walk in relationship with us. He wants his kingdom to permeate our lives. That's what we're talking about today. Kingdom permeates. Keep reading with me if you would. We have all these different stresses that are going on, these different pressures, but one of the greatest pressures many are facing is that of financial strain. Huh? Inflation is hitting every home. I don't know if you felt it, but I'll just tell you right now, I have never looked at my gas tank ever as much as I have in these last few weeks. I'm like, I'm like is, that, is that thing telling me the truth? Come on now. <laughs> is it really that many miles till it's on empty? Because I feel like that, that it, my, my, my car is just inhaling gasoline, glory to God. Everyone, everyone is feeling it. Ga- not just gas prices, everything, food prices. My wife is telling, she's like, you know, we're, I'm not going to tell you how much, but I know you want to know, but I'm not going to tell you anyway. <laughs> But she's like, we're, we're like, we're like, y'all know because when you go, you're like, oh my goodness, why is this so much more? Every home is feeling this. Every home is feeling this inflation that is it. And I just want to acknowledge that because I don't want you to, you know, get it twisted, right? So what do we have to do as a family? Because of all of that, we had to come and have a family meeting. Come on now. Have a family a meeting and make some adjustments as a church. The church, uh, the, the finance team, we had to get together. We had to make some adjustments, uh, tighten up the belt. Hello, somebody. It's just, it's just factual. We don't want to be wasteful, but here's, here's the thing that we have to ask ourselves is this, is do biblical principles of stewardship really permeate your life? You got to ask that. You got to think about that when we're talking about the financial stresses that we're feeling. Do you really trust God as a faithful provider? That doesn't mean that you don't rebudget. Hello? Hmm. That, 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 what, what, what that means is you continue to be faithful. As we sat down with the financing, we were talking about everything. We were adjusting stuff. I said, one thing that I don't want us to adjust is our giving. Come on now. 
I don't want us to give less to anyone. I don't want us to stop sowing because you know what? That's what ministries are going to be feeling around the world. And I challenge you to do the same thing. Don't, don't pull back on your giving. Trust God. Pull back on your movies. Come on now. Pull back on your entertainment. Come on now. Pull back on your going out to eat now. Come, pull, pull back on your nails. I'm just saying, glory to God. I don't have that issue. Pull back on your hair. I don't have that issue either. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know it's harder for you than me, right? I, I, I just use a razor and I'm done. I can help you out, glory to God. We can walk around and really be bald up in this place, glory to God. Come back next week, everybody with a bald head. We're cutting back, glory to his name. <laughs> Y'all like, Bishop, you're crazy. Hey, I'm just saying. We have to, we have to, we, 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 we've got to think about, wait a second, we, do, 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 the, do the biblical principles of stewardship really permeate my life? Do I really trust God as the provider or have I been mixing God's principles with the pursuits of the world? Kingdom permeates. Am I really allowing the kingdom of God to permeate my life? So how does this parable of the kingdom address this practical matter and many others? Well, here's what this parable is talking about. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to leaven. It only takes a little to make a major impact. If you just take the principles of the kingdom... Your entire life can be transformed. We're going to get to that in my first point here. But I want to say this because I was sitting back and I was thinking about, when you look at this Bible, right, this is a regular print Bible. There's no commentaries in it. It's not a very thick book. Not very big, right? In this book contains, what, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, and then 27 in the New Testament. That, it's, it's not really big. I was having a conversation at a wedding that I performed with one of the young ladies afterwards. And she was a, she's a non-believer, probably an atheist from what I gathered. And we were talking about the Bible, and I, and, we were, and I was sharing with her. I said, you know, God repeats himself a lot. And she's like, yeah, so why should I read it? I'm like, because we don't listen. Hello. Didn't we see that video? Of course we saw that video. We need to keep seeing the video, glory to God. Right? We, we need to continue to be running. So what does that mean? If I'm telling you God is repeating himself, even in these 66 books that we have, guess what? God is being repetitious because what? His word, just, just seed form, is able to change everything, is it not? His word, if we, if, we'll just, if we will just take the time to get into the book, if we'll take the time to be mastered by this book, hello. If we would take the time to master the truths that are here, spending time in the presence of God. Let me give you a couple of things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. There are 66 books in the, in, in the entire Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. You know how many chapters there are in the Bible? There are 1,189 chapters. I didn't know I had to look this up. Come on now. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. You know how many verses there are in the Bible? 31,103 verses in the Bible. You know how many words are in the Bible? 807,361. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. But here's the thing, and I want you to think about this this morning. The potential of the kingdom is only limited by our surrender to the king. The potential of the kingdom is only limited by our surrender to the king. If we will surrender fully to the king, we will see the fullness of what the king wants to do in our lives. We will see the, king, we will see the kingdom permeating every area of our lives. And when pressure comes and difficulty comes, guess what? We will see the kingdom of God manifesting. And we, we won't see our flesh manifesting. Listen, I, I, I'll tell you right now, 
I, I, I repent daily, daily when I see my flesh. Because I'm like, man, you've been serving Jesus for a long time, man. And you still got carnal issues. Hello. You still get angry when you shouldn't. Hello. You still get upset when you should. You, things still bother you that shouldn't bother you. Hello. Or maybe they should bother me. I don't know. But anyway. First thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven has, the has the potential to permeate, permeate the, entirety the entirety of our lives. The kingdom of heaven has the potential to permeate the entirety of our lives. Again, we see this example here of this woman who goes and Jesus says, "Look at listen to Jesus' words closely. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it, three measures of meal, meal till it was all leavened, until it was all leavened. So what is leaven? Let's talk about leaven. I went to the Google, you know, place for education. I want to read some stuff because I, I, was, I, was, pretty, I was pretty impressed. I learned all about baking in a very short period of time. And I understood some things about why some things didn't work for me correctly. I'll give you an example in a moment, but let me read this to you. A leavening agent, listen to this, is a substance that causes dough. You guys know this. I'm just doing this for my own sake here. But it is an agent that causes dough to expand by releasing gas once mixed with liquid, acid, or heat. Rising agents give baked goods optimal volume, volume, texture, and crumb, and can include baking soda, baking powder, whipped egg whites, or cream. That is, that is called a chemical uh, um, uh, leaven. It can be an active or instant dry yeast, which is biological, which is probably what this woman had, or even steam, which is a, a vaporous type of yeast. So one time... And, 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 and I, was, I was being healthy, eating healthy, hallelujah, one time. And, you know, when you eat healthy, you got to get creative. Amen, somebody, right? And so, you know, you can't really eat those amazing pancakes that you love when you're trying to eat healthy, right? You can lie to yourself if you want. You can try to pray the calories away, but it's just not factual, right? It's not... So anyway, so I am, I am thinking of making what is called a protein pancake, right? I'm like, well, I'm going to eat some protein. I'm going to do this thing right. And I would make these pancakes, and they would come out like this. And I try to give them to everyone because I'm like, come on, you got to taste these. Because for me, I'm like, come on, you know, you got to help me out. And so, you know, my daughter would be like, yeah, Dad, that's disgusting. And my wife would try to help me. She'd be like, babe, you need to add some vanilla to that. I'm like, amen, glory to God. And so I'm like, well, let me add some vanilla. And, and really, the, and still, the pancakes were like this. And then one day, I got a recipe from somewhere. Amen. Thank God for recipes. And the, re and the recipe asked for like a half a tablespoon of baking soda or something like that. And all of a sudden, this pancake that was like this went. And guess what? It didn't taste terrible. Hallelujah. Because what? Because there was a leavening agent that was now added to this thing that allowed it to expand and it removed the density of what I was eating. I don't bake. That's about the depth of my baking understanding. But if I would have read this, I would have known, known what the problem was the first time, glory to God. 
Amen. I made those pancakes on Saturday, by the way. Amen. They were good. Praise the Lord. I used the baking soda. Amen. So here's what I want you to understand about leaven, right? Notice a couple of things here. I want to read this again. A leavening agent is a substance that causes dough to expand by releasing gas once mixed with liquid, acid, or heat. Now notice this. The woman, she put the leaven in these measures of meal. She put them there until they were completely leavened. But I want you to notice leaven, and when I'm looking at this, is the breath. It is the air that gives life, causes the rise of the dough or the item that is being baked. Yet understand this, leaven isn't revealed until it is activated. It isn't revealed. You, you could put, she put leaven, but until baking time came, Nobody would know if that was leavened or not. Why? Because it is not until it is at the true test of the leaven is when the circumstances expose them. The true test of what's really been put inside of you is when tests come. It is when pressure comes. It is when trials come. It is when difficulty comes. It is when doubt comes into It is in those moments... That we'll know is, are you, have you really been leavened with the kingdom or leavened with something else? What is it really that's going on? See, here's the thing. There's another thing that, that, that I come to realize in this study on Google. Hallelujah. And it was this. It was that if you don't have the elasticity of the dough, the pressure of the air bubbles produced by the leaven will not create the desired outcome. See, here's the thing. You ever, you, you ever, you ever had my, 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 little, my little girl, this, this, the, the eight-month-old, I think she's eight months today, right? She eight months today? Yes, eight months today. She's learned something. She's learned that when, she, when you put her bottle in her mouth, she can blow back and it blows bubbles. <laughs> Very annoying when you're trying to feed her and you're half asleep. <laughs> One of those things I need to pray about, Amen. <laughs> The Lord is using her to develop me, the pressure of the bubbles, right? But if you take a straw and you go and you blow into a cup filled with liquid, what does it do? It bubbles up, bubbles up, bubbles up. Now, if you have some chocolate milk, what happens? The bubbles get a little bigger. Ah, because there's a leavening agent in there. But it doesn't overflow unless you had it filled up high, right? In most cases. Here's the thing. The dough, you know what the dough does? The dough stretches. When the, when the pressure from the bubble starts, the dough stretches. It begins to rise up. And if, and if the dough has the elastic, if it's not brittle, hello. See, here's, here's the thing that we have to realize is that when, when and I want to read this to you that, that here, is that when the elasticity of the dough is present, it allows for the third step where the heat of the oven cooks the dough, causing it to set while those little bubbles are in their inflated state. So once the gas finally escapes, those air pockets hold their shape instead of deflating. Now you know how to bake and you know how it's happening. You got good dough, you got a good leavening agent, and guess what? If you got the temperature right, come on now, because you'll burn some stuff. The temperature's right. All of a sudden it gets nice and flaky or nice and browned and it looks beautiful. But if any of those things are out of place, there's an issue. Now, here's the thing that I want you and I to realize is that God is molding us into the image of the Son of God. You know what that means? That means that we, 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 we have to stretch into shape, do we not? 
You know, you know what the problem is with, with so many Christians? While God was stretching them, they burst under the pressure. Instead of being, see, when the pressure is coming, you know what is happening in that season? You know, some of you might be in that season, right, where, where you're, you're feeling stretched, and, and you're like, man, why this is so difficult, this is so hard. You're in this season where God is stretching you, and what he's doing is saying, hey, my son, my daughter, I got you. I am stretching you. I am developing you. I am molding you, and the pressure of this season is going to cause you to look just like I want you to look. Don't burst. Don't burst. Don't burst under the pressure. Let the kingdom of God have its way. Listen, decide that you're going to do what? This right here, this book, not this one in particular, the one you have. Hello. These words of God should be the thing that is causing our faith to rise because here's what happens to us. What happens to us is it's easy for us to become inflated like when we gather together in worship. We gather together in worship. I don't know about you, but I feel great. We leave this place. I feel, I, feel, I feel encouraged, right? I feel my faith blown up. What happens when I walk out those doors? Do I just deflate and be like, Psh, man. When I come into the moment of prayer, when I'm seeking the Lord, when I'm in his word, do I, do I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel strong. I walk out of there. What happens? Church, we've got to be the ones that are allowing ourselves to be in the presence of God so we can be molded and we can not deflate when the pressure comes, but that we would demonstrate a developed and firm faith in who Jesus is. And so again, this woman gives us a good example of what leaven does. Just a little bit of leaven is going to leaven everything that is there. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the kingdom of heaven, heaven. will permeate, permeate where there is intentionality, and availability. Where there is intentionality, notice what she did. She didn't just like throw some leaven somewhere. No, no, no. She took the leaven. She put it in these three measures until it leavened the whole thing. She was very intentional about what she was doing. She wanted to be sure that that leaven did what it was supposed to do so that way when it was time for her to bake, when it was time for her to cook, when it was time for her to take care of her responsibilities connected with that, that, that wheat that she had, that she would be able to cook and be able to produce what it was that she needed to produce. She was intentional, and then those measures, they were there, they demonstrate the availability. The woman shows us this, but then I want you to look at verse 34 here really quickly. It says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them. What I want you to know is that up until this point, Jesus has not been speaking in parables. We talked about this in the beginning of this. In chapter 13, Jesus started speaking parables. All of a sudden, things shifted. And what it was is that the hearts of men had been exposed, and now Jesus began to do what? He would talk to his disciples in private. They were available, and they were intentional. They left everything to follow him. They believed who he was, and now he began speaking, but the multitudes were different. Remember, the multitudes, they wanted what? They were waiting for Jesus to come in as king of kings and lord of lords overturn Rome and establish his kingdom. That's what they were about. They weren't about his kingdom in their heart. They were about the kingdom around them. They were about the things in the world turning around for their good. They were about them seeing the blessing of God that was promised to them that they had misunderstood because the fact is what God spoke to Abraham way back in the book of Genesis that he was going to be this nation, but he was going to be a blessing to all nations. We know what? He was talking about Jesus. It wasn't just about Israel and the, and the children of Israel being blessed of God and, 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 and hoarding that blessing. No, it was about them being a blessing to the world. 
And so Jesus is here, and he is communicating with the people of God that are there, the children of Israel that are present. And Jesus begins to speak in parables to the multitudes. And what do we know by this? We know that they really weren't available to his agenda. They really weren't available to his agenda. Why does this even matter? Because you and I have to ask ourselves a question. Do I value the kingdom of God and the Lord's agenda for my life? Think about that for a moment. Do you value the kingdom of God and the Lord's agenda for your life? Or are you just more concerned with fitting God into your agenda? Hoping God will bless your plans. Hoping God will be with you. You know, I, for some of you, you know this, the guys, some of the guys, we started going through this experiencing God, a study which has been a, a, amazing in these first three weeks. And, and the one thing that, that this third week has really just rocked me with is making sure that I, am, that I am being consistent and setting that time apart with the Lord because of what? Because I want to be with him and his agenda. Not my agenda. Not what I want. Not what I have. Listen, I have a lot of plans. I have a lot of good ideas. At least I think so. Hello. There's a lot of things that I may want, that I may desire. It's not about what I desire. It's not about what I want. It's about what the king wants. It is about his agenda for us. Here's the other question we've got to ask ourselves. Am I intentional in the way I invest my time and available to God's work in and through my life? Am I available to him? Am I intentional in the way that I spend my time? Do I just waste hours binging on this? doing those other things, or, I'm in, or am I intentional in the way that I separate my time with the Lord? I was listening to, to Dr. Michael Brown, and he was talking about Leonard Ravenhill, and he said that whenever he was around Leonard Ravenhill, he said around noontime, Leonard would always excuse himself, and he would come back about an hour later. And he would be so broken with joy from the Lord. But no matter what Leonard Ravenhill was doing, at that time, that was an appointed time that he had with the Lord. And he was going to say, hey, I'll be back. I got to go spend time with the king. He was a man who was spending time separating himself with the Lord. Now, look, that's in the middle of the day. What about your morning? First thing before you talk to anyone, before you engage with anyone, do you intentionally separate time to be in the presence of God? Saying, Lord, here's my day. Lord, here's, here, here is my agenda. Here are the things that I think I have to do in this day. Here are the things that I, that I, that, that, that I have on my plans for this day. But Lord, I surrender my agenda to you. Now listen, I know some of you are like, man, I work. I can't control that. I'm not talking about that. Because even in those moments, you can still be surrendered to his agenda. You can still be available to him. Listen, some of the most precious moments that I have, I used to deliver washers and dryers. And I used to, part of my route was driving from the UCF area all the way to like Palm Bay. That's a pretty long drive. But I, but I was grateful to the Lord for that drive. You know why? Because I got to worship all the way there. I got to pray all the way there. I was, I, I was and I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm just telling you the truth. I got to engage with the Lord on the way there. On the way back, it was a little bit different. I was tired. Come on now. On the way back, I was fighting to stay awake. But I'm going to tell you something. In those moments when I was driving, I can tell you of sermons that God spoke to me. I can tell you of things that God deposited within my heart. Now, if I would have decided that I was just going to turn on the radio and listen to whatever, or I was going to do something else, I would have missed him. 
But again, I have to be a person that says, wait a second, Lord, I want to surrender my agenda to you. Let me say this to you. And if you're writing notes, you should definitely write this down. Busy can be the enemy of fruitful. Busy can be the enemy of fruitful as it keeps us from being intentional about the time needed in the presence of God and it can deter our availability to the assignments God has for us. I'll say it one more time. Busy can be the enemy of fruitful. Everybody's busy. I know it. I'm, I'm, and I'm busy. I got this going. I got that going on. I got this. Some of y'all don't call me because you think I'm too busy. Listen, call me. Text me. Interrupt me in my busyness. Because you know what? God may have a divine appointment for you and I. He may have something he wants to say to me. He may have something he wants to say to you. He may just want to stop me in my tracks and be like, boy, slow down. Don't ever think that, that, that someone is too busy. Listen, reach out. Be, be that person that does that. But here's the thing. Busy can be the enemy of fruitful as it can keep us from being intentional about the time needed in the presence of God. Some people, they jump up in the morning and they're like, they, they got to go because they got to listen. They wake up with a list of things to do on their, on their mind. But wait a second. Did you just stop? Did you just pause in the presence of God? Did you just wait before him for a little while? Did you just seek him and just thank him for waking you up? I mean, come on, at least, Lord, thank you so much for waking me up. I want you to know this. God forces his kingdom agenda upon no one. He's not going to force it on you. What God is, is he is looking for available vessels who will intentionally position themselves to work with him. Intentional vessels who say, God, leaven my life with your kingdom. Fill my life with your kingdom agenda. Fill my mind and my heart with your kingdom agenda. Fill my mind and my heart with what your kingdom is about, with your kingdom principles. Left in my life, Lord God, fill my life. Permeate my life for your glory and honor. The third thing, please repeat after me, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. Must, be must be guarded from false leaven. Let's look at this last verse here, verse 35. The reason why Jesus begins to speak in these parables is it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Can I tell you something? God wants to reveal stuff to you. Let me say it again. God wants to reveal stuff to you. God wants to speak to the same way that he wanted to speak to the people that were there in the days when Jesus walked the earth is the same way that he wants to speak. He wants to show you things that have been secret from a long time ago. He wants to show you things that nobody has known. I'm not talking about new Bibles and new, I'm not, that, that's not what I'm talking about. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to make himself known. He wants to direct you. Listen, he, he may want to show you some, some stuff in your family line that God wants to break those curses by the power of the gospel. And if you don't even wait, wait, wait before him or sit before him, it'll, it'll never happen. But if we just sit before him, one day I'll tell you, give you another quick story. I remember one day I was there, I was praying. I, got, I came into my, my, my regular prayer time with the Lord. And as I came into my prayer time with the Lord, as I was sitting there praying and seeking the Lord, and some of you know I didn't meet my dad until I was like 13 years old. And so I had some daddy issues, right? And so as I was, as I was in that prayer time, I never thought about any of the things that came to my mind. 
But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just had me writing this letter to my dad about all of these different hurts and all the things that were a result of him not being part of my life when I was a kid. And again, I'm not bashing my dad. I love my dad. We had a great relationship before he passed away. What I'm telling you is I went into that room, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was simply going to seek my Heavenly Father, which you know what my Heavenly Father wanted to do? He wanted to heal my broken heart. He wanted to heal the, he wanted to speak to me some things. And as I wrote that letter, I wrote that stuff. And then I, I sent it to my dad. And then he didn't talk to me for three months. Hallelujah. It's like, I thought you were a Christian. I was like, I am. I was just sharing with you these things. But we got over it. Hallelujah. My point is, God was showing me stuff that I didn't even know was in my heart. Things that I didn't even know that were there just simply because I spent the time with him again. Jesus had much to say. However, the people who were there, they counted them, themselves unworthy by misaligning themselves to, the, to his kingdom. They really didn't, again, they, didn't, they really didn't want his kingdom. And so Jesus starts speaking to them in parables, but guess what? He speaks to his disciples in private. When his disciples ask him the question, what, what, what about this parable? What does Jesus do? He begins to expound on those parables to them because they were available. What is the point of this? Let, 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 me, let, let me just say this plainly if you haven't gotten it. My point is you got to be available. My point is you have to be open to God speaking to you. And listen, it's not just sitting there emptying your mind so that way God can, that's not what I'm talking about. On the contrary, I would say it is sitting there filling your mind with God's word. It is sitting before the Lord, meditating upon his word, meditating upon his scriptures, getting to know the voice of God so that way you know what his voice sounds like here. So when he directs you in, in your life, you know, oh, I know that voice. Where'd you get to know that voice? Oh, I got to know that voice because when I was in his word, I was hearing this voice. You know, if you, but when you spend time there, that's how you know his voice. How do I know if it's God? Someone told me the other day, they're, they're, they're starting to walk with the Lord, and they're like, do you believe in premonitions? And I'm like, well, I don't like that word. I'm like, but let me tell you something. When God speaks to people, he speaks to them to bring edification to others, to bring comfort to others. When Satan is speaking to people, he uses it to bring fear to them. He uses it to control people. So you got to think about what's the motivation. They were like, wow, now I know. I'm like, praise the Lord. But you know how you get to know? Be in a book. Where do you think I pointed them? I say, you need to be in the scriptures. You need to be in God's word because most of the time, can I say it? Most of the time. Most of the time, God is going to speak to you by being, you know what's the problem with us? We're spoiled. We are. Like, Lord, I need you to speak to me. Oh, I've been speaking to you. I need you to, oh, I've been talking. I've said plenty. You want to know about your marriage? It's in the book. You want to know about parenting? It's in the book. You want to know about being a good neighbor? It's in the book. You want to know how to deal with your enemies? It's in the book. You want to know how to eat right? It's in the book. You may not like it. Hello? You don't got to get legalistic on it. I'm just saying, like, it's not, it's not to hold it over your head. I'm just saying, you want to know how to eat the best? Look at what the book says. It's there. You want to know how to love people? You want to know how to serve people? It's in the book. We're waiting for God to, like, come down with a smoke signal. Hey, son, I want to tell you something. Wait a second. Have you been in my word? But as I said, the kingdom of heaven must be guarded against or guarded from false leaven. 
Just like we talked about two weeks ago when we're dealing with the mustard seed parable, many commentators, and I really struggle with this, I want you to know, because I'm a guy that I firmly believe that I, I, I cannot be giving you fresh revelation. What I mean by this is I can't be giving you stuff that contradicts what all these other commentators are saying. But, I, but I'm, I want you to know that I'm in good company because they're split. The commentators I'm reading, they're split. Some of them are like, well, you know, this, this leaven right here is dealing with the negative leaven because you're not supposed to have leaven in, 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 certain, in, in most sacrifices, but there are some sacrifices you can have leaven in. As a matter of fact, it's prescribed to have leaven in. And then when you look at Jesus' use of leaven in other portions of the scriptures, you see him use it in a negative context. We'll look at those in a moment. And then you see Paul, who, again, he uses leaven in a negative context, and you're like, man, wait a second. But here's the thing. Immediate context is going to trump all of that. Again, we go back to Jesus' words. we got to go to his words. He said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. He said that. The immediate context. They didn't ask for explanation. Jesus didn't expound it. And so here's what I want you to know is that we have to guard against false influences that masquerade as the kingdom of God. You know, it's like those Christos, people that call themselves Christians, but they give you counsel that's contrary to God's word. You say you follow Jesus, and yet your counsel doesn't sound like Jesus. You say you're a follower of Christ, and yet your words don't seem to, to line up with the words of Christ. So what do we see here? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus warned the multitudes of the leaven of the Pharisees. That leaven, you can look at Luke chapter 12, verse 1. You don't have to look there now, but you can look later. And what was that leaven? That leaven was the leaven of hypocrisy. They looked like they had it all together, but there was something going on inside of them. There was something that was wrong inside of their hearts. There was something that was not right. They were acting. They were playing a role, but they weren't living that role. See, in front of everyone, see, you got to be careful with those kind of people. You know, the kind of people that are like, well, this high am in private. Listen, because we're in church, we should talk about things, right? There are plenty of, of, of people that have been damaged because this is how we were on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, we were this way. Pastor Aldo said, if it ends in day, right, we should be worshiping, right? That's what, if it ends in day, we should be living for his glory. If it ends in day, we should be living for his honor, the next thing is this, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6 through 12, Jesus warns his disciples. The other one was, the, was a warning to the multitudes. This one is a warning to his disciples. He warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees. Again, this one is false teaching. It goes in line with hypocrisy because you teach one thing, but you live another. See, God's word is living. It is active. It is the theopneustos, right? It is the divinely breathed in word. And here's what I love is because when we get into God's word, this is what I believe is literally happening. Because God's word is living, because God is speaking, if you were close to me right now, every word that comes out of my mouth, and especially certain syllables, you would feel my breath coming out like the breath. You would feel that coming forward. Here's what I believe. I'm not saying you're going to feel this, but when you and I spend time in God's word, what God is literally doing is as he is speaking, he is breathing the life and the power and the ability for us to obey what he says. 
That's why we cannot casually come to God's word. We have to position ourselves to be in God's presence so that way he can speak to us and he can breathe into us the power to live and obey what he says. But false teaching says, well, you hear it, and you know, it's okay. You can just ask for forgiveness if you don't obey. But what did James say? James is like, man, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Jesus, again, he warns his disciples about the leaven of the Herodians. And this leaven is the leaven of worldly compromise. And I said this earlier on in the, in the message, in the introduction, but much of what we're seeing in the church today is worldly compromise that is creeping in. And so much judgment that is, being, that, that is happening and that is occurring in this moment. And you know why? It's because God loves us. Understand this, and we'll read it when, when we get ready to do communion in a moment. We will read how God judges us because he loves us. He doesn't judge us because he hates us. He judges his church because he loves us. And he wants us to live holy. He wants us to become more like him. He wants that. That's what he wants. A worldly compromise. Living in ways that you know are contrary to scripture. Doing church in ways that, 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 that they don't look like an organism. They look more like an organization. There's a problem. We're a body. We're brothers and sisters. We are supposed to be engaged together. The last one I'll give you is this one in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. Paul warns of the leaven of carnality. He talks about all these sins that are happening in the church of Corinth. And when I preach through the book of, uh, of 1 and 2 Corinthians, we'll look at these sins that are there. But here's the fact. The fact is that what, what Paul is saying is, don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Just a little bit of tolerated sin can mess up the whole church. That's what Paul, this is not, not, these are not my words. He is saying you have to beware of these things. So in light of these warnings that we have read, we know that leaven has the ability to do what? It has the ability to puff up. You know, puff pastries, puff up. The steam puffs them up, right? That's the leavening agent that's there. And some of y'all are like, man, I'm ready for some puff pastries. Yeah. Got y'all hungry, glory to God. Y'all ready to go have some pancakes and puff pastries? The most healthy Sunday you've ever had. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. But here's the thing about leaven. Leaven has the ability to puff up. I remember being a, I remember being a young Christian. And, I, and, and when, I, when I was a young Christian, I came to faith in Jesus. My mom, I've, I've shared the story. She led me to Christ in a radically powerful way. And when I got saved, I, I did not want to be a hypocrite. Not just that. It wasn't like I intended that I'm going to get saved and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. It's that I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I could not get enough of his word. And I didn't have a job because, you know, I was a, I was a gangbanging crazy kid. And so I didn't have a job. So guess what I did for eight hours a day? I prayed and read God's word. I'm not boasting. I didn't have anything else to do. Hello. So as I was in God's word and as, as I was seeking God's word, I would come to these Wednesday night services where the youth were at. And when I would come to the Wednesday night services, I would see the teacher asking questions, and none of these other youth that were in church had answers. And I was like, what's wrong with these people? And you know what I learned later on, some years later? I learned how puffed up I was. Oh, I love Jesus. There's no question. But I was puffed up. 
I had pride just working in my life because I thought, well, these people don't love Jesus. Let me show you how to love Jesus. Let me answer all these questions because you all are a bunch of heathens. Hello. I got the spirit y'all don't. I pray all the time y'all don't. When was it? You know, I, I, was, I was just puffed up. <laughs> Too much yeast. It's all right, though. The Lord had his way of humbling me. He had his way of dealing with me. He had his way of moaning. You know why? Because I was in his hands. But see, here's the thing that I want you to know is that it's, it, it is important that we guard against being puffed up. Paul says that knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And what we need to do is we need to have that, that knowledge of God, that time we spend with God. is not just getting more knowledge of what God says. It's getting more knowledge of who God is. It's being in the presence of the Almighty. It's being changed for his glory and for his namesake. And I'm getting ready to close here. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. It is only to the degree that the kingdom leaven permeates our lives that it will permeate the world around us and our world entirely. Let me say that again. It is only to the degree that the kingdom leaven permeates our lives that it will permeate the world around us and our world entirely. Here's what I mean. Look, outside of voting, I really don't have any effect on what happens in the White House. But I do have an effect on what happens in my house. I do have an effect, immediate and direct, on what happens in my neighborhood. If... I would allow the kingdom to permeate my life. If I will allow the kingdom to permeate my heart, if I will allow the kingdom of God to fill every reservoir, if I will allow the kingdom of God to fill me the way he wills, my whole life can be transformed. My family can be transformed. My neighborhood can be transformed. And who knows? I may disciple somebody who'll be in the White House someday, and this nation will be transformed. Come on now. That's what we need. I got like six claps. I got the golf, the golf, the golf clap. Hallelujah. That's how much hope we have in our nation. Or maybe me. I don't know. One of the two. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Bishop, if you could disciple someone who'll be a president. I don't know. I, I, you never know what could happen. But the reality is that God wants to permeate our lives. And so here's my closing questions for you. Where do you see a deficiency of God's influence in your life, and are you willing to trust him? Where do you see a deficiency of God's influence in your life? I don't know where it is. I talked about finances earlier. Maybe it's in that area of finances, that you see a deficiency. I don't, I, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's in your marriage. You see a deficiency of God's influence in your marriage. Maybe it's in your parenting. You see a deficiency of God's influence. Maybe it's dealing with a neighbor. Maybe it's dealing with a coworker. Maybe it's private sin that you're struggling with and you're battling with and you don't understand why you continue to, to trip over and give into the same things over and over. I don't know. I don't know what it is. All I know is this is I could sit here and I can tell you where I need to see more of God's influence in my life. I could do that. But it's not, it's not about me in this moment. It's about you. 
It's not just about where you see the deficiency, but the question is, will you trust him?